Hey, this is Corey Glover from Living Color, and right now you're listening to the podcast Middle Aged Metalheads. In the fall of 1977, 29-year-old Alice Cooper found himself locked up in a psychiatric treatment center. There, he spent the longest nights of his life confronting his demons. The first night in there, every noise felt like it was going to shatter me. My nerves were so bad. They didn't give me any pills or anything to calm me down. This was cold turkey. The next day, it was a little better. The next day was a little bit better started getting an appetite back and pretty soon after about two weeks I was okay I wasn't craving the alcohol uh, but the first two or three nights were just horrific all right welcome back to another exciting episode of middle-aged metalheads tonight we've got another listening party and as per usual we've got John Harden the metal lord Colin Bosler Scott Rudd from the great white almost north and Michael Stamps from from wherever you are. The suburbs of the Bucks s- County. Of <laughs> That's very loud, Michael. Terrible. Oh, sorry, dude. I'm going to dip it back a bit. We are doing a listening party, and I'm super excited because I had to stew about this. I was like, what are we going to listen to? And for days, I was thinking, we're going to make these guys listen to Kellogg Frost or Entombed or Obituary. But I just get so sick of John Harden going, I get it. You're angry. <laughs> I get it. You can't carry a tune. But before we begin this, <laughs> I, I wish we were doing Celtic Frost. <laughs> okay. Well, D- David hasn't even said what we're listening to. Yeah, but we're going right. to listen to the 1978 release from the inside, the fourth solo record by Alice Cooper. Which is a great okay. choice, David. Thank you. Okay. Terrified that I'm in line with Colin. Yeah. All right. The first time, 50 episodes, first time. <laughs> That's right. So, 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 John, what was your first impression upon receiving the, the news that this was your assignment? No, I, I like Alice Cooper. I was not familiar with this album. So, yesterday was the very first time I've ever heard. I think I've heard like one of the songs, maybe right, one of the This is singles. like every time for me. Welcome I think like to my world. <laughs> I think like I had heard him play like Nurse Rosetta like in concert or something like that. But otherwise, I didn't know this record. And I think my first impression was that I tripped and fell into Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like Alice Cooper called up Paul Williams and was like, we, we got to do a, a sweet jam together. Right, we're going to update Phantom of the Paradise. But by yeah. and large, I just don't like that sort of weird 70s sound that it's a little disco-y. Um, the album is actually produced very well. Um, and I like the storytelling elements of it, but musically, it's not really for me. Yeah, this I'll tell you what, the production on this record... I was working with a band and they were like, this is what I want the kick drum to like. They were, they were hanging out with me and this record was on and they're like, that's the kick and snare sound that we want. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. sounds great. I don't, who produced this record? Oh, I don't know. Paul Williams. Yeah. <laughs> no, he just wrote every song. <laughs> uh, I, I, di- I knew, I just don't know. Uh, 
whoever yeah. it was, I mean, kudos to yeah. them because it does yeah. sound very good. I listened to it on headphones. It's it's one of those 70s sort of headphones operas with uh, lots of sounds and sound effects. You know, at one point I was like, huh, I'm like Operation Mindcrime might have stole a little bit from this record. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it does have that same sort of like uh, insane asylum sort of narrative that goes with it. Um, but I, again, I oh, just, you know what? David Foster produced this. So yeah, you know. big surprise. He's only produced like $3.2 billion worth of music. Yeah. And you've got Bernie Taupin with, yeah. with some of the credits on the, on the songwriting as well. So yeah. Should have been know. an Elton John record. <laughs> Maybe it is in a way. Kind of is. But, uh, so, so John was like, uh, throwing up some comments on the, on the group me last night. And he says like, I can't get over the fact that it sounds like a seventies record. It's like, but it's a seventies record. No, I, so. I get it. it it's yeah. just, yeah. that's what I was trying to say is like, yeah. it's just, it has an inherently seventies sound to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. that a lot of the music of that time does, which is fine. I mean, if that's your thing, cool. It's just not mine. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 so again it kind of goes back to our point too. It's like can you get into like old music that that requires you to kind of like get into a different sort of I don't know, like a mindset or or a different sort of musical tapestry where there's going to be some funk, there's going to be some show tune aspects to it. It's going to be very kind of theatrical. Um, and, and again, because it's, because it's a concept record, it's going to have like all of those things going for it. Um, I, and again, I had, I hadn't heard this before and I think I'm a fan now. So, yeah, I mean, you're, it's no, it's no far cry from welcome to my, my nightmare. I mean, they're the disco elements in welcome to my, to my nightmare. They pull no punches. You know, oh. when, you've, when you've got those, those seven sharp nine chords and the horns playing and the, the freaking yeah. pedal. Well then, and then you have all the sort of like the choreographed dancing and the the one that they aired on. Uh, on I don't the know, Muppets, not the Muppets. It was the the TV special that he aired, the Welcome uh, to My Nightmare thing, and it was. And they they show that video a lot on, you know, whatever the sort of headbangers ball thing they have on MTV now or VH1. Scott, yeah. what, what Scott, what was your experience of uh, listening to this probably for the for the first time, and then we'll get to Colin who. Obviously, as a big fan. Uh, yeah, today was the first day I heard this record. And pretty much to echo the sentiment so far, it has that dated quality. Like, it, it feels like 1978-79, because it was released in October of 78, or November. It was released in November, which, interestingly enough, he was on the Muppets October 28th, 1978 which is when mm -hmm. the first single for this was released. So for me, it's him at that point of his career where, you know, he was kind of hanging out with Frank Sinatra, you know, I don't know if the Salvador Dali thing happened yet, but <laughs> you know, he had that, you know, mainstream celebrity thing going. And it's a, it's a record of the times that he was, I don't know, just kind of hoping to move some units with. Yeah, and, and and it seems to be based kind of like on his biography too. But we'll let we'll let David fill that fill that part in. So so Colin, uh, like so this this is like a comfortable smoking jacket for you, right? Like slipping oh. into like from the inside. Absolutely, absolutely. I bought this. I bought this album in 1978. Twelve years old. Bought it off the rack. 
Ooh, I was 23 when this came out. <laughs> Did you? Was this the LP? You got the LP? Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 tell us a little bit about like that experience because it it does have this really sort of iconic oh. cover and it opens up kind of like a yeah like like, like a flipboard. So, so I I knew at the time I knew who Alice Cooper was. I was not the biggest fan, but you can't miss the face, right? You see this huge Alice Cooper face, and if you look at his eyes, there's people looking at you mm-hmm. in his eyeballs. So mm-hmm. I see his face and I see these people and I'm thinking, I got to take a chance on this record because why not? It, it, look, at, look, at the, look at the way it's, it's looking at me. I have to look at this. So I buy it and I, I'll, I open it up and his face opens and there's a whole bunch of really cool pictures and, and there's a, a main picture of these people in this hospital wearing straight jackets and the lady's makeup is goofy and her hair is all messed up and there's a guy with a, I think he's missing a leg. He's got an army outfit on and, and yeah. he's holding, if I'm, I might, I might even be holding a baby if I'm not mistaken, um, and the machine gun and all that jazz. Anyway, so it's got this really nice presence when you open it up. And as I told you guys before, I love stories. I love an album that tells me about uh, people and tells me a story. So I put it, I dropped the needle and put it on. And every story is, excuse me, every song is a story. It's just, so, it's mm-hmm. so well written and it's so interesting. And when you, and when you look inside, there's all kinds of little notes scribbled on the walls that you can read and the lyrics are in there. And he's telling about these really cool characters and each character is in that picture. So I'm looking at the song and then I'm find, trying to find them in the, in the picture. And it's just, it was such a neat concept. Uh, at that time when I was uh, a, a burgeoning music person and I just tried to find these these really cool moments where the music was just kind of taking me in and, and making me part of that experience. And it was just a, a, an amazing time. And I really enjoy uh, the songwriting and the, the way the album was put together. Well, and, and again, that's, you know, that's, that's an experience that I, I clearly two out of the five of us had. David, did you buy this record fresh off the rack? Now, you see, in 1978, I was six, and um, I was in oh. Miss Berlin's first grade class, uh, which I really loved. She's but the Muppet Show, you must have, you must have seen like Alice on the Muppet Show. Ever. I did see Alice Cooper on the Muppet Show. Um, it was a few years after this because he had done uh, clones on the Alice Cooper or on the, uh, the Muppet Show. So he, he did uh, Welcome to My Nightmare. He did clones. Um, he did um, "You and Me," that song. Uh, right, uh, superstar. I think it's called. Uh, it was like him and a puppet did a duet. Miss oh, Miss Piggy. No, so. no, 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 it was just like a bird-looking puppet. Oh, that vulture-looking dude. Yeah, uh, Sam the uh, Eagle. No, no, there was a, a Gonzo. Oh my gosh, you're terrible. Um, anyway, I, I, I know all the Muppet characters, but that might be a made-up one for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, occasion. it was just—it was like a nondescript bird. Yeah. Um, in, in the episode, he talks about like uh, scooter shows. It was like, who are these monsters? And Alice is like, these are my monsters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, it's—I I bought this record several years afterwards. Um, when I was working and just gathering, uh, you know, fodder for my collection and very much like Colin, you know, you see it and you go, well, this looks cool. And you're kind of committed to it cause you just spent money on it, you know? And I think that that's, that's maybe some of the differences now, you know, nowadays you can stream something either on YouTube or through a paid service 
and you don't owe it anything. But when you've spent money on it, you're gonna be yeah. like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can figure out a way to make this cool. Yeah. And you know, you're a little more literally a little more invested. And um, you know, I remember getting this, and there was a project I used. I used uh, the song Jackknife Johnny on a project in eighth grade for Miss Bottomley's class. Wow. I did. I did one of those um, one of those Dickie Goodman things where like you had to ask a question and then you could answer it by playing a piece of a song would like answer the question. And it was all about the outsiders. And I, you know, the question was something like, you know, what did pony boy say? And he's like, Jackknife Johnny, welcome to our world. You know, um, and awesome. I specifically remember using that in my clip and I was, everybody loved my project. I, I Man, think. that's, that's some good multimedia shit there for yeah, dude, some outsiders. Grade, man. 19, whatever the heck year it was. Um, but no, I, I like this record. I still, this is in heavy rotation for me. I listen to it all the time. Um, I think that the work he put into it, the like lyrically, it's clever and it's deep. Um, the ballads are top notch. The <laughs> he gets away with some stuff in a, in like a rock and roll way. Um, you know, he's like dudes jizzing in his pants. Like he put that in a song. He w- he wakes up in his pants or what? That's like the the, the Nurse <laughs> Rosetta song. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, he's he gets away with a lot that I think other people could not get away with. And maybe in some cases he didn't get away with it, but I think for the fans he did. Um, oh, it's a good record. I like it. A buddy of mine is in theater and I know Joey Mahoney's a big fan of this record as well. We were saying like, man, this, this could be like a, a musical. This could be a rock opera. Um, somebody could pick this up and stage it. And I think it would do well. It's, I think it's a good piece of music. Yeah. That, that, so that was the thing. That's the impression I got too, from like uh, doing some research and seeing like how the, the, the live show for, for this particular tour kind of was translated. And I, I, again, I'd have to go back and look at what I posted, but it was kind of like the, the madness tour or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, so it, it did seem like there were, there were some elements that were included um, in that, but you're, you're right. I, I think, yeah, if there's a, well, again, you could probably do a lot of Alice Cooper stuff and turn it into. Why hasn't he turned it into all of his his life? <laughs> has turned his turned his life into a a sort of a, you know a musical. Well, I mean, I think this came out. This record comes out after the Alice Cooper show double record comes out, and I think that it makes sense. I think that you know he he goes through three records as an alcoholic, and he gets so bad. Um, you know, John and I were talking about this a little bit of this earlier. Like these guys were alcoholics. Like you've never seen, you know, <laughs> him, and, um, him and Keith Moon drank together. Yeah. Even in the record, there's a things I know to cheers to Mooney or something on written somewhere in the, in the album sleeve. Um, you know, he was coming off of that tour and he makes this new record. And I think that coming off of that, very exciting, very successful, very well-branded tour. The idea of putting together something like this and then putting it out on the road was probably, you know, high on the list. And I don't think he could have survived another, another year on tour. He only, he didn't even tour a full year with Mm -hmm. the rock, with this. uh, I think he went out for like four months or something uh, and then just pulled up, pulled up stakes and rolled. 
But, um, you know, it was, uh, it was also a really changing time. Like I've got up on the list here, like other records that came out in 78, you know, Van Halen's first record, Power Age, if you're into ACDC, I'm not so into ACDC. Stained Class comes out this same year, which not really my thing. All the Kiss solo albums. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Including Peter Chris's. Including Peter Chris's and uh, Double Live Gonzo, right? Ted Nugent's probably a lot of folks, if they're going to pick a, a Ted Nugent record, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and this was a very, very different record for that year. Um, I threw in some historical things, right? Bundy and Gacy both get arrested this year, uh, you know, just in case you had nothing to do in America. Yeah. Uh, Greece, <laughs> Greece comes out. Was, uh, oh, oh, Gre- oh, Greece, the, the, the musical. The musical. Yeah. <laughs> um, unknown, unknown young actor by the name of John Travolta. Oh, but he was in the Sweat Hogs. He was in the Welcome Back, Cotter. At yeah, that we point. know who he was. Whatever. Yeah, and he had Whatever. some solo records out himself. Mm-hmm. But he might have been nude or Saturday Night Live. That was a small picture. Yeah, you got the Energy Crisis, right? If you were, if you're, if you're about our age, you remember your mom and pop buying, you know, containers of gas a haul to make that, <laughs> to make the the gasoline last a little longer, and uh, you know, the Cold War and Jimmy Carter and all that stuff that's going on. Yeah. Jimmy Carter telling everybody to wear a sweater. <laughs> yep. And putting uh, solar panels on the White House that, yeah. that, that Reagan then promptly removed <laughs> and burned, burned all the sweaters. And it's <laughs> downhill since. The sweaters. We, we, heated the, we heated the White House for two years with solar panels and sweaters yeah. in the fire. <laughs> what would Abraham Lincoln have done? <laughs> But uh, I, I, that, that's, that's a hell of an intro. And I, I, again, I'm excited to, uh, you know, to, to like play this through. And, and <laughs> I think there's going to be some good laughs. In it because, <laughs> uh, again, because I think everybody has a, a sort of uh, some sort of like really strong impression that Alice Cooper has left on folks in his 50 plus years of, uh, of music making. Uh, or golf playing as he does now, oh, but yeah. uh, you know that he he is he is just such a, a, a influential maverick sort of artist that uh, it's it's hard to imagine like so many other bands, whether it's uh, Marilyn Manson or, or Rob Zombie or even Kiss, uh, you know, kind of like you know make making a go at this sort of like theatrical shock rock. Uh, but at, at the heart of it all is like some really, really good songs. So um, thank you, David, for, uh, for inflicting this on us. <laughs> <laughs> Rewarding my, my, us. Or, you know, it's, I'm, just, I'm being, I'm just joshing, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. So let's, uh, let's strap in here and uh, I guess on we'll, three, we'll do the count up and then on three, everybody press play on their, uh, on their players and keep the mute on. So, uh, one, two, three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's a nice groove right there. Yeah, for Paul Lowe. You hear that? You hear that? (laughs) When that pop guitar comes, when the the bass comes up. It's a a lot of piano. And then, yeah, some funky bass. And we're on the dance floor. 
That's this right. would fit right in with Dynasty from Kiss. There's your there's your pop for Kiss. Yeah, this is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not and then the storytelling begins yeah so this is this is setting the stage for him drinking so much he winds up institutionalized and 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 how much is this like based on alice's own biography he says this is the way it went down just on the road drinks too much Winds up in the, the variety of versions of that. But the things you can listen for in this record, you've got, if you, you know, you can go to the Wikipedia page if you really want to. It looks like you got Lee Sklar on bass. You know, the, the old head dude, the huge beard. Um, you know, some major players uh, in the studio. You've got Stu, uh, Steve Lukather is on guitar in this. Uh, Rick Nielsen's in for a couple of rhythm and solo tracks. Kiki D busting out some backing vocals along with Oh Slow yeah, the the the, 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 the the backing vocals on this whole record are very exquisite. Yeah. Like Rick Nielsen part here. What's that? Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick plays on there. Yeah. David just mentioned that. He's, he I know, but <laughs> Surprised Don Dawkins not on this record. <laughs> and I wish. It's, it's, it's 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 a really good sort of like heavy driving sort of like pop song. It's a great album opener. That was a little part there where you hear like the backing vocal bit, like the ah, just ooh, that's just tight shit right there. It's real. Dad got this part. I like this part. Little little uh, little Bee Gees influence. Oh, it's definitely on the dance floor. The lighted dance floor. White leisure suit. It doesn't. It doesn't have the menace that sets up the rest of the narrative, but it's it's feel good. I, lots of strings. Which nice is B, the, the, the BG influence. It's a great break. You can see people doing the hustle to this so easily. It's like, but but could you see people in a in a Milwaukee sort of like rock auditorium like losing their shit to this? What was the album? What was Alice's album that came before this one? Before this was the Alice Cooper show. Okay, and then the next one was Flush uh, the Fashion, which the did fashion. not have much of a pop that I recall. It did not do very well. No, because clones. I mean, coming the coming from the Alice Cooper show, which has like bona fide Alice Cooper classics. It's got Under My Wheels. It's got Eighteen. It's got Only Women Bleed and Schools Out. Yeah. Billion Dollar Babies. They're all on that same record, right? Or is it? Yeah. It's live, right? It's a live yeah, it's record. Live. Yeah. record. But like going from that, that's highlighting all of his popular songs in, into this, had to be a shock if you were a true Alice Cooper fan at the time. Yeah. You, 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 again, I think like as Colin put it, it was like kind of like, like Kiss starts to like do Dynasty. It's just kind of like, what, what the hell? So the, the, we're on to the second track, David, which is uh, called Wish, Wish I, I Were Born, Born in Beverly Hills. 
so what what's the narrative in this song? How does it fit into the larger story? This is the uh, you know this is the the spoiled brat song. Right, so uh, if you're in the uh, if you're looking at the at the inside of the record where they've got you know a, a big gatefold in the album where everyone is uh, is represented in this picture. Um, you know, you've got uh, you know the one spoiled girl who just uh, you know does everything she wants. You know, I wish I could drink as much as she. Oh, spills, I got you. Right. So I think, I think the guitars on this song sound like Boston. Well, yeah, well, you got Steve Lukather on there. Okay. So, uh, so uh, we're all sharing the screen here. So, mm-hmm. the, the girl in the blue dress, is that who we're talking about in this song? Yeah, that's the one I always picked out. And like I said, the, the cool thing was, imagine when you open this up for the very first time. And by the way, there's little flaps. Like that little quiet room back there behind the guy with the cards, you can open that door and Alice is back there. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then when it's you like look at the back of the for alcoholics. Yeah. And when you look at the back <laughs> of the album, there's a door and you can open the door and everybody's been released from the sanitarium and they're running out of the album. Yeah. So <laughs> so when you open this up, it's, it's really kind of like a game to say, uh, I'm sorry, I thought the army guy only had one leg, but anyway, he's under the umbrella. <laughs> but uh, there's a floating dog and, a, and the crazy guy. It's just, you can pick each of these people out of the album and it's so cool to try to find them. This nurse Rosetta up here, like adjusting the picture, it looks like a dolly picture. It does look like a dolly. Yeah, it looks like, 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 like a fake dolly, but it's in that same sort of area. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's again, it's it, 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 you can imagine, like if you're Colin's age, you're 12 years old, you pick this up, it's like you got many afternoons listening to this and like getting into the, Staring into at that the story. Picture. And I was into 70s Sticks, so this fit really well with Sticks. It fit really well with Kansas, with Dynasty. It was that vibe, man. It was that yeah. that influence of that disco-type music. It fit with everything else at that time frame. It fit with Elton John, right? Bernie Taupin's part of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah he, I guess he co-wrote some of the songs or perhaps wrote them all in part of this uh is that is that some narrative. cowbell? Do I hear some cowbell back there? I think there's some like rattling bell, yeah. <laughs> but just like great hey, right? What do you got, Scott? No. I, I hear a little meatloaf fat out of hell. Just in the expansiveness oh, of absolutely. the idea. Yeah. And because that was the previous October, that was seventy seven. Yeah, and, 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 and that, that's that's a good point, too. And we, we, we're probably going to have to, like, say, uh, as far as going back to 73, when um, the original Rocky Horror Picture Show started to, like, premiere and, like, really dank theaters before it became, like, the Tim Curry uh, sort of, like, midnight... What, what do you call it? Like, a cult classic sort of yeah, sure. midnight movie. Um all, all of those things start to like kind of congeal. So we're on to the third track now, David, which is... This is The Quiet Room. It's a great song. So tell us about what we're hearing here. Well, this is, uh, you know, this is Alice himself, right? His uh, set off in the quiet room, and he just kind of talks about being in it and uh, hanging, you know, putting pictures on the walls and things like that. Scenes from home in the quiet room. It's really nice. Um, uh, I, I I think the lyrics in this record 
are better than the record lets on. I think that, as John mentioned, some of the, the heavy disco accents are definitely going to turn people away at the door. Um, but songs like this, I think they do a really nice job. They paint a nice picture. Um, almost out of place on this record because the, the heavier stuff doesn't quite click with a lot of yeah, but to, again, I think it's remarkable too. Like, if, if you if you haven't listened to like a lot of the Alice Cooper, which I'm not going to claim that I have, but like the dude has like a range vocally. He could do like this sweet ballad, pleading kind of like tone, and then it gets into that snarly sort of uh, sneering voice. Uh, you know, uh, legendary for. Which he pulls off in concert. If you've ever seen him in concert, he has a lot of moments like this where he will sing to the audience in a very calm fashion. And then there's other times he's he's very uh, very robust in the way that he sings and conducts himself. And he'll, he'll bring a lot of uh, energy to it. He goes back and forth a lot. Yeah, no, it's, uh, again, it's definitely like on full display on this record. Yeah, and I think he, he gets away also where other people would not with being very, very plain. You know, so he goes from, you know, he goes from being kind of poetic with his language to saying, you know, there's no handles on the doors, there's no laces in my shoes, the, you know, the, the forks and spoons are plastic, and just saying it very plainly, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think another artist would try to kind of doctor that up and make it seem a little more poetic where he just says these things very plainly and gets away with it and i think that he's got that you know that carte blanche in a lot of ways that other other artists don't well, and maybe that's the thing too it's kind of like it's it's showing a little something that the people haven't seen so a little more sensitive side you know, and again, it's it, it, he's a character within a character playing within this narrative, but it's it's very poignant. The part that we just heard, like you know, like the, the quiet room knows no more about me than my wife. Right. So, you know, it, it kind of shows a little bit of his disturbance, a little bit of the the character's vulnerability. He just sang that he can't get his wrist to bleed. That's a pretty deep, dark lyric, man. That's I'm trying to kill myself, but I can't pull it off. That's that says a lot about where your headspace is. Yeah, it's uh, again, it's uh, you know, it's it's a it's a good narrative for uh, for depression or uh, and I don't think in this case it's like totally sort of madcap madness where it's like, oh, look at me, I'm in an insane asylum. It's 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 a lot more. He makes uh, that it, uh, emotionally. You see, uh, you see where he leaves, right here. I'm alone. That's it. Doesn't finish the phrase. Yeah. Doesn't finish the song. You know what I mean? And I think that that's that's one of those things that, that pop music I think does not get doesn't get the shake that other you know that others do. Like I remember being in high school and we did an analysis of um, the wheels in the sky. And you know we, we had the music out, and the end of that end of that song just keeps repeating over and over and over. And it's like, oh, well, that's like you know, that's like a, a compositional technique there. You know, they're 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 just repeating over and over again to the fade. And, and but they're a pop band, so nobody cares. Yeah. And then we come into this jam, Nurse Rosetta. 
and it's like it's it, it's kind of like the 78 version of like footloose or something it's just kind of like it's got a little kind of like a little boogie a little sort of like a light step to it and it's got like all the again with the, the keyboards all over it very funky I want to tear my collar off. And, and, what, and I guess this is the other character in the. She's the nurse, Nurse Ratchet. In this is the Saint Asylum. But she's kind of sexy, I guess. Kind of sexy. Got that short skirt. I mean, what's not sexy? He's kind of obsessed with her. And then. He wakes up with his pants wet. <laughs> Turns my head and makes me cough. Come on. You know what that's about. But, but what was that really ever about? I remember like every like uh, little league team I, 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 I go out for. It's like you have like some stranger come touch your scrotum. They're checking for a hernia, man. I know, but like how many little kids have hernias? And, and even how many people need to want to do that? And, and even if you did have a hernia, couldn't you still play baseball? I guess it was their way of doing their thing back then. They had an excuse. I don't know. No, no. But I'm thinking there's like some guy out there who's just kind of like, we've got to test these kids for hernias. Mike's Little League team was sponsored by the Vatican. I think so. I think so. So, David, how is the narrative here sort of like developing with the introduction of this character, Nurse Rosetta? Oh, I don't know, dude. You're the, you're the English professor. I'm a, I do statistics. Oh, I, I was just giving you some opening here. Oh no! Suddenly, twice my size. I think you should get credit for rhyming the word encephalogram. I think you just made that up. You're in, you're in the medical field. Is that a thing? That is a thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's hard to rhyme with. <laughs> the LL Cool J of late '70s metal. <laughs> It's, it's a rocker of a tune for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, the guitar sound, the drums. I mean, we talk about this all the time, and we got called out on it by Dr. Death. You guys are talking about production a lot. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't hurt this record that it is so well produced. You know, it'll get a, a, a couple of spots up on somebody's list somewhere because the shortcomings of whatever you might think about various things. Production's going to push it ahead. It sounds great. Yeah. Now, and, and again, I think that this song is definitely kind of like a pivot point where the introduction of a, of a secondary character kind of like begins to like open up a little bit more of the narrative. And I think we're going to we're going to come into the Millie and Billy song, which is, again, a further introduction to more characters and, and makes the whole sort of story more sort of like about the about the place. And it's, of course, a duet with uh Kiki? No, you know who's singing on this? Uh, I don't. One of the, one of Eric Clapton's co-writers. Yeah, she co-wrote "Lay Down, Sally." Marcy. Oh. Yeah. Yep. All right. So this this is one of the few songs that never got like you know performed live. But it's it's really a favorite of mine from the Alice Cooper. <laughs> 
Easy for you to say. Statistics professor. And again, I, I just really like the way he will kind of take a poetic line and then he'll throw up, you know, oh, I always loved your husband, you know. And then yeah. he'll say, you know, cut and chopped up and sealed tight in baggies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And again, I think that that's kind of key to like his, uh, I, I, won't, I won't call it shtick in like a bad way, but the way that he kind of like, uh, takes romantic sentiments and kind of like pulls them inside out like a glove that's been turned inside out. It's kind of like. I'm surprised there's no mention of uh, of like sex with with dead people. You know, it's been it's come up so many times in his career before. Yeah. Now. What, what, what's what's that? What's that song? They're cold. Cold Ethel. Cold, cold Ethel. Heaven on the back in the Alice Cooper days. Yeah. Well, it's on, but, on easy. He's he's expanding his horizons here. But uh, for, for all five of us here, it's like if you if, if if you drop the needle on this song, you're thinking I'm gonna stay listening to this. <laughs> I like it. I like the chorus. God yeah, made I, love crazy, so we won't feel alone. Yeah, I, I, there's a there's a body in the trunk. They're criminally insane. This is what I was talking about. When you're watching these these characters develop and you find them inside, remember you're staring at the inside of that album cover the whole time, and you pick them out. It's, it, there's a deep understanding that he brings to these characters, which you don't get from a lot of songwriters. Yeah. There's a pickaxe and scissors and a shovel and gun. I mean, you know. <laughs> Poor Donald's in trouble. Yeah, it's, and it's got that great like center section, the big dramatic bridge that is reminiscent of uh, uh, "Welcome to My Nightmare." You know, the second side with Stephen and years ago. Yeah. See, again, it's 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 a nice sort of ballad of commiserating with her about like. You know, I guess love does make you do crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> love makes uh, you do crazy things. That's help me get these baggies awesome. of your husband Donald out of the trunk. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, again, kind of macabre and, and comical at the same time. And again, I think that's that's what Alice Cooper has, like, made his career out of, is, like, being shocking. But, like, not, like, shocking without sort of, like, a kind of B-movie kind of punchline that goes with it. Yeah, being able to sing and talk really seriously about these things, I think is, you know, or, or you know, devoid of emotion about some of these things, you know, I think is is what makes it, is what kind of keeps it creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but keeps it kind of like not so menacing either. It's, yeah. You know, I, I, you, we, we could talk about so many other artists and, and the topics they sing about and the sort of uh, sincerity with which they sing about it. It's like, shit, these, this band, they're all Satanists or serial killers, cannibals, what have you, all of the above. So here's but, the question. Is Million Billy two people or is Million Billy one person? Um... I'm saying two people because I think there were two people I found in the album cover that I matched <laughs> yeah. in the song. They're, they're the two sitting sort of south of Nursery Rhythm. And now we're on to another rocker. Serious. Serious. 
a good one. This reminds me of uh, of another track off of like uh, Zipper Catches Skin or something like that. A little more straightforward, a little more intense. I like this chorus. Oh yeah, yeah. The chorus for this song is good. It's a good rocker. I like the guitar work too. I like that right there. Really good. Like I like this. Like that. That high, you know, multiphonic vocal chorus. You know, the the backup singers is a really nice sound. Oh yeah. No, it's it's a great again part of the like the little production uh, quality and all this. see in the, but, in the insert uh, picture that your man Jackknife John has got a copy of Agony and the Ecstasy. There you go. That's about it was turned into a film. It's, it's, a, it's a story of the, the Pope and Michelangelo and about the, the, the painting of the Sistine Chapel. Oh, it's not it's turned into a film starring Charlton Heston. Damn dirty eight. Wasn't he also Moses? Yes, he also was Moses. Mm-hmm. He also Texas. played a Mexican in uh, the Orson Welles film. <laughs> really? Absolutely. Touch of evil. Uh, it's a film. Yeah. Also a Jewish priest song. Also, but this 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 is like the. If this were like a Broadway musical, this is the one that gets people like getting out of their seats and doing. This the, is the time warp. Doing the time warp again, absolutely. This is it's the song before that leads the into intermission. Yes, that's right. Exactly right. Thank you. We'll be right back. That's right. Check out the T-shirts. Get yourself a beverage. Oh. Be coming around with fifty-fifty. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's uh, nothing wrong with that. It's I think as Scott said, it's like it's of its age. And you know, six seventy-eight. Got the Grease musical. Here we are on the on the the next track, number seven. Th- this was the single, right? This was the first single. And if you would have asked me, I would have told you that I thought this was an Air Supply song. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> so this this was the one song when I listened to the record. It's like, wait a second, I've heard this before. This yeah. is Alice Cooper? <laughs> but I couldn't place who else would have been... Oh, it's a Barry Manilow song. <laughs> that's that's what I thought it was. He's, I thought got it was like, couple, he's got a couple of these tunes. I think the I one th- that jumps to mind is I Never Cry when Alice Cooper Goes to Hell. Yeah, or... Uh, only women bleed. Only women he, bleed. He, he does. He does something with the with the ballad. But, uh, if we were to ever ask the question, you know, like the the best kind of rock metal ballad writer, it'd be strange to have Alice Cooper in that top ten. But I, I wouldn't say it's, I would disagree. No, I I don't think you could. Um, even something like uh, "I'm 18" is a kind of like a kind of like a ballad. Ballad of Dwight Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's but the, but it's also like the like the ballad of Ricky Bobby. It's it's a different kind of. But uh, the, the the video is 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 pretty, you know, ahead of its time. It's like it's working out the narrative, and it's like a hobo in the snow. Yeah. I wonder I like how the, many I wonder how many people that deal with their issues come out feeling that that chorus. How are you going to look at me? I've let you down. You know that I've struggled. Are you going to look at me the same way? Are you going to accept me for who I am? Are you going to love me? Or are you going to be, you know, aloof and separate from me because of the way I treated you? I mean, I would really enjoy hearing yeah. those supply singles. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That, that's a good point, Colin, is the sense that, like, it's like you, you get a sense of his vulnerability. It's like, yeah. now all the shit that I've done to you and now I'm clean and now I'm coming back to you. Like, how are you going to see me now? No, it's uh, it's, it's, it's a really thoughtful song. It was, uh, was Bernie involved in this? Oh yeah. He was, yeah. Are you gonna see me now? Yeah, Bernie and and, and Dick Wagner. <laughs> he goes by Richard for his friends. Hell, <laughs> when he's on. Uh, what you doing? He's on. Lyrics genius. He's Dick Wagner. <laughs> yeah, he's actually changed his name. He's Penis Wagner. This is like a really sweet, poppy but powerful song. This is like slow dance at the prom. Yeah, slow dance with your alcoholic boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, bitch. You know that I. Like, I'm gonna. You smell like whiskey. We had a couple of drinks in the parking lot, honey. I'm fine. Don't don't make a scene. It's the prom. Slow dance with the mall Santa Claus, <laughs> January third. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it, it, I think the narrative is working toward like ah, oh, the character's thinking about like making contact with his uh, his wife and f- family outside, and then you got for Veronica's sake. Yeah. Which Sound character? Like which character is this in the album? It's about the dog, man. <laughs> the song is about a dog. The dog's name is Veronica. Yeah, right. yeah. You saw her floating there on the cover. <laughs> I got a dog in the sea pond. I love the comparison between dogs and humans. <laughs> so yeah, like, how, how do you go from like this heartfelt ballad to his wife? To like, oh, I got to get out of here so I can get my dog out of the pound. I, I think it's, I think the, the the concept of the dog is driving to how people are being treated like animals when they're in a cage and shot and tagged and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's also jumping around to the characters he's meeting. Okay. That's why I need, I need a tour guide on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see the analogy.
apparently this record, when it came out, it was received really well. I think the, the lyrical content and the concept of the record was well received. But, you know, it was criticized for being too clean, too neat and clean. Okay. Like, like, like too commercial or just kind of too poppy? Not, yeah, not gritty. Not edgy. As we've come to expect from Alice Cooper. Remember, this is his fourth his fourth solo record. One of them was, you know, was his, his live record. Right? So, and even on Facebook, I'm a member of a Facebook and Alice Cooper Facebook. And when you join, one of the questions is, do you promise to only ever use this forum to talk about Alice Cooper the band, not Alice Cooper the singer? <laughs> and I think that there's probably... I don't know how pronounced, but there's a lot more bitterness about former Alice Cooper the band than Alice Cooper the person. Uh, well, maybe maybe that's that's the thing about it is that uh, if if this is based on his own actual sort of time spent in the sanitarium due to his alcoholism. Then it's you know all all the edge has been like worn smooth. I, again, like I, I've I've read like uh, a little bit of his biography, and like one of his old bandmates in the Alice Cooper band uh, has has released a, a really interesting biography of the time, you know, in the early seventies. But uh, I don't know, and, and maybe that makes it more genuine and heartfelt that it's like. Hey, it's from the inside. Get it? It's like from my feels, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna like. I'm not gonna. Where, where he where he where he starts off in the first song. It's like he says like, "Where's my makeup? Where's my mask?" Uh, and this and then because it's from the inside, it's like it's a little bit more forthright and tender and 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 sincere. So yeah, so it's not gonna be edgy, Alice Cooper. It's gonna be. You know, sober and clean, uh, Alice Cooper. We come to number nine. Jackknife Johnny. Jackknife Johnny. Johnny. Just referenced denim and leather there. (laughs) That's for you, Saxon. Fuckers. (laughs) With hot bourbon bread. White coats and needles. Johnny like to scare you today. Now, for as many times as I've heard this record, I've never gotten into categorizing, you know, rockers and ballads and this and that and the other, but uh, there's a lot of ballads in this record. Yeah, it, it definitely alternates between, like, the ballsier songs to the ones that are, like, down-tempo, kind of like daddy and daughter dance sort of shit. I think that this, uh, the organ on this, right, this uh, song, I think inspired Bruce Hornsby. Oh, well then, then it hasn't been for nothing. <laughs> Bruce is good. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Okay, then. Because every you your comment drew some laughs. I was trying to support <laughs> you. Oh, but, but I, I wasn't being sarcastic. I, <laughs> I love Bruce Hornsby. Bruce makes you angry. No, I love Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> I have all his records. 
No, I don't. So the, the narrative's winding down here, David, and we're going to get to uh, the last track. And Colin, you're, you're familiar with this record, too. Like, what, what, what brings this full uh, narrative to a close? The Tell last one is... In? The, the last one is Inmates Were All Crazy, which is quite a good song. Yeah. Um, I think this, I think Jackknife Johnny's probably my favorite, though, because of the melody and the guitar solo. I, lo- I love that organ sound. I think it's just so good. But I think, um, you know, this is that... I don't want to get too trite in the, in the whole kind of analysis of, of rock and metal, but I think that you've got... You've got nine songs about people being, you know, interned, you know, in these places, and and then ten is kind of like pulling the pulling the, the curtain back a little bit and revealing that you know it's not just the people who are inside who are little crazy, you know, it's letting these fans know that you're you're a little crazy too. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in, we're out, but we're all a little crazy. And I think, you know, the good bands can get away with that. You know, there's that, there's that scene in, uh, uh, is it Spinal Tap? Where, like, the, the house lights are supposed to come up. It's them. They're the other band, band member. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're supposed to say, our, you know, our most important band member, and then the house lights come up because it's them. The Jackknife Johnny is pretty interesting too, because it's like uh, the, the guy is like ostracized because he brought home a VC girl. Um, I'm, 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 I'm reminded too of like the the, the De Niro film Jackknife. He was also uh, a returning Vietnam vet. I, I, I don't know if there's a connection. And the film was made uh, much later, obviously. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's it, the the lyricism I think in that song. You know, floor you're a floor mop and flunky. The Duke of the Daggers Drawn World. I mean, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's great stuff. Little little uh, allusion to Macbeth there for all you kids out there sniffing some uh, Cliff's notes. It's not like we did something wrong. We just burned down the church. And I would say that this this tune inmates is a major throwback to you know, like classic Alice. We just played with the wheels. Yeah, this is the slow building train. one here, right? Yeah. yeah. The little plinking piano, got the drums, bump, 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 bump. It's not like we ain't on the ball. We just talked to our shrinks. <laughs> they talked to the shrinks. No wonder we're up the wall. We're not stupid or dumb. We're the lunatic fringe who rusted the hands. We're like the little slime. <laughs> daughters and sons. <laughs> Yeah. Now you get a little more of the sort of snarl in, in Alice's voice. Yeah. He's getting a little angrier now. He, he feels he feels uh, he's got to have his moment to explain him. You know how he's he's been like uh, David pointed out. He's being judged, but who are you to judge me? Mm-hmm. We're all crazy. Is the point he wants to make? We're all crazy. With roller coaster brains.
Yeah. It does, um, I, I, again, I don't know, in, in the larger conversation that we have in 2020 about mental health, how, how this fits in, but it definitely gives a more sort of sympathetic portrait. Especially when you think about like what, how people with uh, mental health issues in 1978 might have been treated. Oh, sure. Because then we, we think about like what Reagan did to like Vietnam vets and all the other people who were in these uh, homes. They were just basically set free to create like a generation of homelessness. Fun facts, history. Well, it's like these days when people say you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Well, yeah, but you'll be gone when that, when that happens. When <laughs> people figure yeah. that out. Yeah, and, 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 but so they'll all just be digging up your grave when you're already dead. He always does, you know, interesting and fun things with his backup singers and his choirs and things. You know, I, I'm always reminded of like the Department of Youth, you know, when he's singing, you know, who, who gave us that power? And the kids yell, Donny Osmond. And he, what? <laughs> For sure. Now it's going to build to the whole sort of like chorus of everyone singing. And remember the back of the album, they're all getting out. Yeah. The strings are like soaring and the drums are pounding and it's pretty magnificent. At some point, it's going to conclude here. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, but it's got like the the big the big finish, a flourish. It's perhaps. yeah, it's you know, it's uh, pretty nice. Yeah, there you go. More strings, piano, little smudge guitar at the end. And everybody leaves happily, uh, <laughs> especially all the crazy people. Crazy people get to leave. Yeah. yeah. Wow. John Harden, you were surprisingly quiet during that uh, last I'm Unsurprised. I, I said on. my piece at the beginning. It's, he it's, was... <laughs> it, it's, an, it's an inoffensive relic of the 70s. I'm sure it has its fans. I mean, it, it, it hasn't sold very many copies. It's not exactly one of his bigger records. Um, it is what it is. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not good either. It's, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Scott, bad. how about you? How are you feeling about this? Because you were also suspiciously, suspiciously quiet. Because this was, I don't, today's the first day I heard it. And <laughs> for me, there's a, a little disconnect. You know, music is wonderful. The studio musicians are great. I just feel like he needed to write those words for where he was. And I always feel that that wasn't the music for it. Like, as Michael was saying before, there was a little confusion between the irony and the earnestness, as it were. Mm -hmm. So uh, it didn't sell, you know, and you would think musically this was right there. You know, if you go to the Billboard chart, 
of that week, you know, it pretty much was what people were buying. Maybe because Warner Brothers got behind him, Warner Brothers got him on the Muppet Show as this album was releasing. But I think maybe the serious lyrical content, maybe some of the more uh, detailed bits of being in the asylum just didn't just confused people maybe. I, and, and again, it's uh, great, great point, Scott. And I think um, it, it's, it's a difficult thing when like when people come clean and people come become honest, they want it to be um, apologetic and they want it to be like, uh, you know, I I, I want to make amends. It, it's oh, the whole sort of twelve step business of it, and and we know, of course, that, that Alice is a recovered alcoholic, and he's a born again Christian, and he's a basically a committed golfer. He, he's basically turned his entire life around, but he he had separated from this character of Alice. And if you read his biographies, that was the thing that he always struggled with: was like, how do you separate the stage persona? Yeah from um the guy who wants to just you know be you know uh, uh, his, his own self um so it, yeah it's not going to be as grueling as any other sort of like first person account of um uh, you know a spiraling into you know drug addiction alcoholism and what, what you know it's so it's it's a little it's it's, it's a little prettified yeah yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's a little bit of a time capsule and I think I appreciate it that way. Kind of like what John was talking about, what Scott was talking about. Um I think that I don't know that Alice Cooper is capable of uh, of kind of settling that that disconnect between honesty and irony. I don't think that he can make a song that is kind of straightforward without having you know at least one tongue in one cheek you know um and we all know somebody like that you know they can never just be straight with you they can never just be serious with you and i think that alice is one of those people who is always going to have some idea to add to it some spin on something some story that kind of betrays any level of honesty he might want to want to provide for you but but I but I think that's that's kind of like what we what you actually get though you get like you know the broken down the sort of like you know the sobered person saying pardon me as I belch into my fist uh, <laughs> just like you know what I'm sorry and I want to make amends and and also create all these other characters who are also very sympathetic too as though which turns out to be kind of like kind of funny because like most of the people that we otherwise meet in there uh except for like uh, the, the millie or the billy uh are like really like deranged murderers uh, but but for the most part you get a sense that people have been kind of ostracized or pushed into the sanitarium uh for for reasons that society deems necessary um and and, and then the the character who doesn't like self-identify as like alice or anybody else you know, wants to be uh, forgiven and redeemed in that. And again, uh, I know, I know when we talk about these sort of like uh, Christian themes before people get a little butthurt or whatnot, but it's like, 
that's 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 the story of western civilization is like how do you you know how do you like turn over a new leaf how do you get forgiven um and again you can kind of get a sense of like that alice is working that without being like tongue-in-cheek like like you're suggesting david like i think that's maybe what people were disappointed by too it's like it's not sneering enough it's not like yeah i want to be forgiven but like if you don't forgive me fuck you (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean after this he goes he goes several different ways after this song and in some ways disappears until you know probably constrictor that people start paying really paying attention to him again and then you know after the constrictor tour i know mtv uh was pushing the the concert video that went with that tour right yeah i remember seeing that with the with the kane roberts right and i think that that a lot of people kind of rediscovered him and went back and bought some of his records not all of his records well he he, he brought back all the old tricks too, all the old mm-hmm. stage theatrics with the guillotine and uh uh the, the you know the straight jacket and whatnot the snakes um and and again i think because go back to john's point too it's like this is a record who is that's a product of the 70s well and, and so were we too um but uh, I just, you know, I Alice Cooper never really like jumped my jam. I just never, I never really got into him as a kid. Where it seems like you get into Kiss like so easily, but like I don't know. I maybe heard like Schools Out. That's it. Um, yeah, I remember hearing Schools Out eighteen. Eighteen. I remember like the first time I probably saw like I'm eighteen was like the uh, Closet Classics. <laughs> and, and it just seemed like dated it, when they do like uh, black Sabbath paranoia, I'd be like, Holy shit. What a crappy video. <laughs> this is, or they show Janish Joplin and be like, Oh fuck. This is just so. But even during his resurgence, like with the Kane Roberts, like I remember seeing Kane Roberts for the first time and going like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, th- this, th- this sucks. Like, this is not good. Even though I like that song, Poison, once I yeah. saw the guy playing guitar, I'm like, come on, dude. Really? Yeah. It's, cl- it's, it's Clown Town. Um, yeah, it's but, tough. It's tough. But I think, I think that there is, you know, there is in, in the world, you know, everybody's got a soft spot for Alice Cooper. You know, everybody recognizes him. But I think that if you heard – schools out which a lot of people do you know it's even you know it's back on the radio i don't know i don't know why it was gone or how long it was gone but you know we, i was driving home one day and it was the last day of school for the area schools and they they're playing schools out you know at three o'clock yeah. in the afternoon and i'm like awesome and I was like it's nice to hear on the radio the only reason they were playing is because it's the end of the school year and i thought if, yeah. if you heard that song and you thought that's what alice cooper sounded like sorry yeah yeah that ain't it <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's an anthem too. Um, and I think mo- maybe most people remember from uh, when Crocus covered it on their album, The Blitz. Did they? They totally did. Okay. That's, pro- that, that's probably how I probably really got into it. They didn't, yeah. they didn't cover schools out. Um, maybe it was, maybe on not Blitz. on The Blitz, but like what's the one after that change of address? Oh, maybe a change of address they did. Okay. So... On the yeah. on the blitz, they did ballroom blitz. There you go. That's right. But uh, yeah, so they 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 did that other one. But uh, right. you know, but 
I think everybody has like a, a soft spot in their heart for, for Alice Cooper. And uh, it, it's great that we got to like spend some time with one of his records. Uh, again, I, he, he popped up into my heavy metal relevance for Friday the 13th part six with uh, he's back the man behind the mask which could have been basically the anthem for Alice himself. Yeah. You know, because uh, it was like a really dead and tired uh, slasher franchise. And uh, also Alice's, you know, musical career was just, <laughs> I don't know where, where he had been, but. I don't uh, know who saved who. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's just like, who's the, who's the rescue and who's the rescuee? It's like, ah. Oh. And you see Kane Roberts, you're like, oh, it's, it's you. Yeah, it's like. Uh, <laughs> Man, Kane. Serious abuse. I know. Dude, like, he earned every bit of that abuse. Oh, Who on. the fuck dresses up like Rambo and is like, yep, this is my look. Hey, does anyone out there, could you build me a guitar that looks like a machine gun to go with my whole thing? And then it's like, yeah, we can do that. It's like for it was, a Halloween show, maybe. Maybe. But I mean. Was, that was his thing. That was what, his what thing. If, what if he had to battle Gene Simmons? <laughs> That's right. He is an you brought axe. An axe you brought an axe to an M16. Yeah. Fan. Gene <laughs> also co-wrote 25 albums. <laughs> But but Kane Roberts, he was uh, again. He was he was kind of beefcake. He was I don't, the sort I don't of thing. Like a man with too many muscles. Yeah, he was <sighs> very sort of kind of marbled and ripply. But <laughs> now uh, that I've got the guitar, I just need a, a belt made from bullets <laughs> on it. Yeah, but uh, now John's awake. You guys, <laughs> yeah, I do. You guys have any, sucks. You guys have any belts made of bullets? No, we just sell regular bullets. Yeah, anyway, yeah. But do you have a? You have like a belt. What about Native? like uh, one of those things that like uh, that Lemmy wore? You know, like the, when you pull like them across no, Nazi Santa memorabilia. <laughs> no, no, not not Nazi memorabilia. Carrie's not with us right now, but uh, you know, one of those things where you just like throw them over your shoulder, like the, the oh, the, like a bandolier, yeah, like bandolier, yeah, like Chewbacca, right? Like Chewbacca. Yeah, that's that's Lemmy the reference. Chewbacca, I was going hand for. in hand. That's what he was going for. Yeah, the bandolier. Yeah. Chewbacca should have played guitar for Alice Cooper. <laughs> whoa, whoa! Get, at least he wouldn't get made fun of. Yeah, I'd watch that. That 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 was the that was the nickname for uh, for Chris Holmes. He <laughs> really? Was, he was called the Wookie. <laughs> Just a little fun fact there. Fun Just fact. Fun facts hurt people, Michael. No, I think they actually make people kind of smile, and they just kind of go, "Hmm, interesting." I could totally see that at the pain of others. <laughs> no, Chris Holmes was also known as the Wookiee. I don't see how that hurts anybody. Okay. Yeah. Kane Roberts, are your feelings hurt? Please call her. Uh, Who cares? <laughs> I don't know. It's supposed to be the bookie. Yeah. <laughs> can someone lend Kane Roberts 25 cents so he can find a payphone to call us? <laughs> and, and he can't even find a payphone either. Because Yo, Car- man, let, me, you know, man, let me hold your phone. <laughs> Oh man, you wouldn't touch a payphone in Corona days either. Anyhow, yeah, so you're probably right. All right, well, um, so let's wrap the inside. Ra- so wrap much. this sausage up, David. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this record with us. A favorite of mine, and and now a favorite of John Harden, Scott Oof. Rudd, the Metal Lord, Colin Bosler, and Michael Stamps. I love it. Disco dance, all of you out the door, and we look forward to you seeing you 